This is 40K Today. As fast as Harlequins, as tough as Iron Hands, as big as Imperial Knights, as loved as Tau. Hello and welcome to a special Best of 40K Today. We are your daily dose of 40K news and we feature content creators from across the globe. We love 40K and we know you do too. Today we bring you a selection of our favorite interviews from this week. We have to say a massive thanks to our friends at Frontline Gaming for having us in on a Saturday. If you like what you hear, give us a listen during the week at 40ktoday.com or you can find us via your favorite podcast player. I'm your host, John Damaris, and today on the program, we talk to Brandon Grant about Astro Militarum in the new edition. Tabi Adriani tells us all about the WTC, their missions and terrain for 9th edition. We find out all the deets about the boardroom brawl and... Super player Alex McDougall gives us some great tips for playing the new mission. Former ITC champion Brandon Grant breaks down some tactics and units to try in 9th edition for Imperial Guard. When a player of this caliber speaks, it pays to listen. Brandon Grant, I would call you the champion of Astra Militarum. Everybody's looking to your leadership uh, as to what you're going to do in 9th edition, so I thought it would be fun to talk to you really quick about what Imperial Guard can do to be competitive in ninth. Okay. Um, well, I think I covered a lot of these concepts in uh, the Art of War podcast that we just recorded, but I'll do a, a Cliff Notes version just now. So the new missions are encouraging players to get up close and personal in the center of the board, and all of the safe space that Guard enjoyed and the long range that they enjoyed really doesn't matter much anymore because the tables are smaller. Um, so honestly, there were some big winners and losers. Big winners are any of the weapons in guard that are mid range. So I'm thinking 24 to 36 inch range. Um, I'm thinking that some of their vehicles made out extremely well, um, because you don't take the penalty to move and shoot anymore. So a guard list that is made for ninth edition is going to be able to, heavily discourage your opponent from moving out of their deployment zone because your firepower at 24 to 36 inch range is just so high that if they try and take any of the midfield objectives, you're just going to swat them off of them. Combined with some screening elements, just like a traditional guard list from 8th, so you're still going to want to take infantry squads to fill space and block charges. Combined with, preferably, some sort of credible melee threat. So if you want to bring allies like Space Marines or Custodes, be my guest. But the guard unit of choice that I'm still kind of leaning on in ninth is going to be Bulgrins. And if you got your guard, guardsmen, you got your Bulgrins, and you got your tanks, I think you're off to the races in terms of welcome to ninth edition, but focus more on the mid-range rather than the long range. And hey, if you want to take um, a basilisk or two, and throw that in your backfield to hold an objective while pounding the enemy from out of line of sight, great, be my guest. But I don't think you're going to need to have three battle cannons in your list anymore simply because the tables are so much smaller. You don't really need the 72-inch range anymore. All right, so l let's talk about that for just a second. I think that you hit on a lot of really, it makes a lot of sense. You hit on a lot of great points. So here's my quick question for you. Um, why don't you give the the listeners a couple winners uh that you think that you're going to start your exploration with and i know we went into great detail of this on the art of war podcast which i strongly recommend everybody check out it should be out uh next week so um but go ahead i think some of the units that were strong and will continue to be strong are tank commanders um tank commanders are still relatively points efficient 
Um, but I do think that plasma cannon sponsons, which used to be almost mandatory at 10 points, now they're 20 points, uh, may be optional. You don't necessarily want to have every tank commander with plasma cannon sponsons. Uh, some of the other big winners are demolisher cannons, which are blast weapons and against units of six or more or 11 or more models are just going to be gross amounts of firepower. And again, they're a 24 inch range weapon. Um, pay attention, that is going to be much more relevant than it used to be in this new edition with smaller tables. Um, some of the units that are going to continue being good but aren't, you know, off the charts are probably still infantry squads, uh, Bulgrins. Um, maybe not as many company commanders because the number of HQ slots you're going to have is probably less. Those units are also to continue to look at. Some of the unexpected winners um, that you might be uh, interested to see on the table again are going to be things like Hellhounds because they can shoot into melee and automatically hit. Sentinels because they can stand on an objective and use their I take ha half damage strat for a command point. And now that you score holding objectives at the start of your turn instead of the end, if you don't have Volgrins in your list, I think Sentinels are totally reasonable to hold an objective midfield. And on top of that, I think Torox Primes are going to be way more reasonable. They're only 120 points with the Gatling Cannon Hotshot Volleygun build, and uh, now they don't take penalties for moving and shooting. And in melee, they still hit on fours. So I think they got a new lease on life in ninth, and especially because 24-inch range weapons are going to be more viable, smaller tables, I think you're going to see them back on the table. Um, and then some things that you might experiment with, but I'm not sure about, include veterans and special weapons with melt-a-guns, which are now 5 points for BS4 models and 10 points for BS3 models. Um, the new addition, um, I think vehicles with invulnerable saves are going to be way more common because vehicles no longer benefit from cover. Um, so meltas might not be super great, but the ability for everyone to put stuff in strategic reserves and especially the low power level of guard units, you can put a lot of plasma and melta guns in outflank whatever your regiment is for just a handful of command points. Uh, so I think that that is going to be something to watch out for if you're building a guard list. Think about outflanking special weapons. And heck, think about just minimum squads of scions deep striking into your enemy's deployment zone to pick up line breaker or to pick up uh, scramblers. Um, these important secondary objectives that involve being in the enemy zone. So these underrated units, I'm not sure if they're top tier, but they're definitely something to check out now. Very cool. Uh, that was a lot of information in five minutes. Thank you so much, Brandon. And uh, I think people will be excited to get their guard back on the table. Yep, me too. Okay, I know everyone says that Brandon Grant is a robot, but I am not convinced. But he certainly has a logical approach to the game. I think I speak from all of us when I say that we are all smarting for missing the WTC this year. What a hole in the calendar. Thanks, COVID. Our own Steve Joel talks to Tom Adriani about plans for WTC in the new edition. From the WTC, Tom Adriani, thanks for joining us on the show again. It's really nice to have you back as a special guest. Um, thanks, Steve. Always nice to be on the show. Hmm. So let's talk. Uh, we'll, we'll get to the mission packs in a second, but let's start with the terrain, which I know you guys released uh the working part of it anyway the other day, you've had a good look at it. And uh, can you tell us, with your terrain packs, what's different that you guys use, say, compared with what anybody else might be able to set up at a tournament? What, what are the main differences for you versus other TOs? 
Well, for the moment, I don't know what other TOs will do because, yeah, it's a new game with a lot of new requirements, I think, in terms of terrain. Um, but um, as we see it, um, we are a team tournament where uh, eight players play eight players. So we want to be diversity on the tables. Yes. Whereas in a singles tournament, I think the new standard will be that you will have just one set of terrain for all the tables. So a bit like Nova has been doing in the past. Yeah. Um, so just one specific set of tables. So every game, every table is the same and no table is advantaged over another table. Whereas in the past, that was often the case, you know, terrain was a big um, denominator on whether you, you had a good game or a bad game sometimes. Um, so Nova stepped away from that. Uh, I think the LGT followed in the footsteps with doing the same thing. Um, but uh, yeah, we as a team tournament with um, eight different kind of games within our pairing system, we felt like we had to do something different. So we made like eight different maps with all bit of different terrain setups. Yeah, uh, we include a lot of forests, which I, which I think will not be a general thing. I think most tables will be ruined types. Um, so yeah, we just wanted to mix it up a little bit to make sure that a there was a bit of variety for our players, and that b uh, these tables could still have some kind of strategic importance to some kind of pairings. Uh, like if you have a table with lots of minor ones to hit, that can maybe affect the top player more than a, <laughs> a marine player, for instance, or something like yeah. that. So. We wanted to make sure that that was still a core pack of uh, of our event um, and that players can still make use of that tactical element within our pairing system. So that's why we, we chose for a bit of different layouts. It's a big deal for for uh, WTC uh, events too, or, or teams events in general. For people who haven't played a teams event, that's a big part of the process. In the pairings, the defender gets to choose their table so that they can... Uh, choose a table that will suit them and that, uh, you know, uh, helps out. So there's a big tactical play, and that's why you need some tables are lighter and some tables are heavier and some tables are in between, all with different features, which makes it a lot more complicated now because, you know, because the rules allow for so much more diversity and so much more layering of strategy just involving the terrain. So that's a big part of that. Um, yeah, exactly. And we felt like our, our two lights for mid and two heavy kind of terrains is, is, is a thing that's of the past. So as you will see from the terrain pack, uh, almost all our terrains are very dense in, in, in setup. It's just the diversity across the tables that's a bit different. Right. And so as you say, some tables will give more of a minus one to hit. Some tables will give more line of sight blocking or whatever it might be. Uh, you know, there are different places to go uh, as far as the mission packs go and this is something that you you guys are kind of uh, in development of at the moment as we are recording this uh, so we haven't really you haven't released the mission packs yet how heavily are you going with just what's in the books or how far are you looking at maybe creating your own stuff w where do you see this going for you uh, for the moment uh, since 90 is very new we don't plan on making any changes um, so we will just run the missions as is. Um, yeah. The idea is that everything that's now on the table that includes the missions and the terrains is um, going to be evaluated by the captains and our players until December. And then in December, we'll make adjustments if our player base feels that uh, they are needed. So might as well that they decide like, okay, it's fine as is, and we'll just run the missions as, as, as they are. But in case they find it too limiting or what not then we will just see in december if he can get some polls going to see if he can go a different route and include some things 
or make some changes. But for now, we're just running what's uh, what's in the book for the yeah. basic missions. Okay. So we we are looking, I think, at uh, like 40 teams this year. So we felt like we had to make changes for the tournament, and um, we are looking now at eight rounds for the tournament. Uh, we also think that game times will be a bit uh, less long than than in the past. So we will include more rounds to make sure that we have a clear and definite winner at the end. So what we did is we just took the eight book, eight out of nine book missions, and we omitted the scouring for the simple reason that the deployment zone there is so small right. that we are afraid some some players might not fit their entire army on that small okay. deployment zone, which yeah. is why we discarded it. But um, all the other eight missions will be run at a round in our event. Uh, for now, at least, that's and, uh, what we're proposing. Yep. And just to uh, just to cover off a couple of questions that I know people will have, we don't have to spend long on these, but just you know, quickly, uh, are you looking at the smaller board sizes, the the new uh, suggested minimums? Yeah, sure. We will run uh, sixty by forty-four. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and uh, as you say, with the points, that means um, the armies will be slightly smaller. So you're running; it's going to be at two thousand points. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. We okay. we for for a moment as well, we will allow Forge World because uh, it seems like the Forge World rules are now in hands of the, the rules team and no longer from the Forge World guys themselves. Okay. So we think they will be brought in line. So we're going to propose that our captains and our players play with them until December at least. And then in December, we'll see if it's uh, officially included or not. But we will propose that everybody plays with uh, Forge World uh, for the moment because we feel like a lot of armies are impacted by this decision, like uh, the Custodes, they, they, their range is really upgraded if you allow Forge World. Yeah. Um, so so that's what we're going with at the moment as well. It's a big change from, from in the past where yeah. it was always like Forge World is not allowed. But we feel this is a, a good step in mind to, to see what kind of uh, things people can come up with. And since yeah, every tournament will be about the same uh, over uh, the entire globe, like everybody will run the basic mission pack, I think, it would be silly for us to deviate from the norm by saying like we're the only event where Forge World will not be allowed. So yeah. that's also a big reason uh, for deciding to just allow it for now. Okay, so there are there are a few changes in store. It's I know there's a lot of work going on from you guys in the background, and people don't appreciate it because you've, you're you're talking about the whole world and all sorts of different countries and environments, and bringing all of that together uh, in a in a way that we can all. You know, meet in the middle and agree on what's going on. So it's a there's a lot of work to happen, and we're all really looking forward to Austria 2021. Thanks for talking to us, Tom. Appreciate it. Uh, most welcome. Thanks, Steve. I can't wait till next year. WTC is going to be lit. This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends you new cartridges, so you never have to think about ink. Save up to 50%. You'll pay less than $5 a month for ink and never run out again. Find out if your printer is eligible and enroll today at hpinstantink.com. Conditions apply. For details, visit hp.com slash Spotify. Welcome back. Tanya is going to an amazing event this weekend. She talks all about it with Scott, who organizes it, and they share their love for the game. I'm here with Scott today, and uh, you run one of the most talked about tournaments in my local area. So I'm so excited to have you here. Thanks for coming on the show. Excited to be here. So the tournament that we're talking about is called Boardroom Brawl. Um, yeah. 
yeah, how long have you been running this event? Uh, this is our third annual, uh, and uh, one thing that's nice about it, as opposed to maybe some other events, um, is that it's going to be the same time every year. So if you want, if you want to have a fun tournament, uh, August long weekend, that's us every year, and this is our third year running, and we continue to plan on uh, putting it on in years to come. Awesome. So there are a few things that make your particular event unique when you compare <laughs> them to other tournaments. I thought maybe you could sort of run us through those things. Absolutely. Uh, so when you come to our tournament, uh, probably one of the first things you'll notice is, um, well, besides the height difference between myself and and my other uh, partner who runs the boardroom, who's also named Scott, uh, who also runs the boardroom brawl, uh, Scott, Scott, and Gina are are, are people who run it. And uh, aside from noticing that, you'll notice our boards, and they are wildly different than your standard ITC boards. Um, they have some of them have massive height differences on some of the boards. Some of them have. Um, huge obstacles some of them have been uh lovingly handcrafted and and some of them have had things like warhound titans crashed into a snowy battlefield and um they're all highly thematic so one thing that first of all will grab you is the boards you'll look at them and go wow every board tells a story and no two boards will play the same uh that's a guarantee um the other thing is you're going to have to play both the board and your opponent um it won't if you come into a into a tournament expecting hey um all the boards will have two big line of sight blockers three small pieces of area terrain and uh and maybe one or two ruins you won't see that on our boards that being said <laughs> we've done some work to make them um not symmetrical but what we will call balanced uh and we take a lot of time and effort to try to make sure each board has an element of balance to it, even if it's not readily present, uh, like readily obvious to you. Um, a lot of them we do a lot of practice playtesting on and and find, yeah, if it's not the same, but it doesn't impact you negatively, we can throw it in there. So that's part one that you'll notice. Um, the second part is our tournament is what I call fun first. Um, and it's a community event. Uh, one of the big things that we do is a lot of times you go to a tournament and you end up after day one, you're kind of beat and you go back to your apartment. Maybe there's a couple people you came with and maybe a couple of you go out for maybe drinks with your small group. Um, one thing we do differently is at the end of day one, we have a huge barbecue where everyone uh, who purchases a ticket it's part of your ticket uh gets you into this barbecue and everyone's there and it's um a huge a group that's like a really it's got a good fun feeling to it um and uh it's going to be a little different this year with covid because we've got to do some separating pieces but i still think we've taken a lot of uh, efforts to make sure that it's still safe while still being that inclusive community feel um and the biggest prize that you walk away with every year, the person who walks away with the biggest prize isn't the best overall, isn't the anything, it's the sportsmanship guy. It's the oh, nice. person, yeah. So if you're if you're the funnest person to be with and be around at that tournament, you're the winner because you, you met the goals of the tournament. The goals were come out, have fun, and if you're meeting those goals, people are going to recognize it and you'll be rewarded for it. 
Oh, that's fantastic. How do you think, because we are, uh, I'm I'm going to this one and I'm super yeah. excited, but uh, we are playing ninth edition rules. Yes. How do you think that the new terrain rules are going to work on these uh, thematic, <laughs> thematic boards? Yeah. Um, so we've gone through a lot of effort to, first of all, reduce the size. So we are playing on the new ninth edition size boards, um, which finding ways to maneuver and manipulate our hard boards because some of the boards are like built right into the board like they're cut out of foam there we've done work on the actual physical board that you play on it's not like a mat with terrain placed on it it's a hard board that's been carved out uh that's been a challenge uh but we um we're gonna have it so uh most of the terrain rules are represented on on almost every board. Some boards have more of one type than another. Um, and what we've done to try to make it really user-friendly uh, for new players coming in at ninth um, is we're going to have a picture of the board and then have all of the terrain labeled and tell you what all of the terrain features each piece has so that no one has any questions when they come to the board about, well, does that count as area? Does that count as uh, dense cover? Does that count as light cover or heavy cover? It'll be very clearly laid out. In addition, because again, we try to be uh, beginner friendly as well as fun first, um, we're giving everybody as part of their tournament package, a set of cards and on those cards are all of the terrain keyword rules. So if you're like, oh, I'm about to jump into this terrain, but I don't remember what, uh, let's say, um, I don't remember what defensible means. You can just flip over to your card that says defensible. You go, oh, right. That's the one that gives me bonuses to my overwatch or fighting in combat. Boom. You that's, got it right there for you. That's amazing. Yeah. So just one last note. Was there anything else that you wanted to, to let our listeners know about? Yeah. Um, if you are looking for a fun tournament, you should come out to this. Uh, again, we are beginner friendly. Um, we had this year, we got huge support from Creature Caster. They've just got a massive prize pool that uh, people are coming out to, to, again, walk away with something big. Uh, just about, uh, what will I say, half the field probably is going to walk away with a prize that's more in value than the ticket they paid and that's not including coming to an awesome event getting some meals served to you uh and having an excellent time at the barbecue which just ends up being a blast so huge shout out to creature cash thank you very much for uh, all your support this year uh thank you very much to the boardroom cafe and uh and what was that oh yeah uh, and uh one of one of the surprises this year is we've got a um a feature board for Creature Caster that when you uh, you come out, you're going to want to have your cameras ready because it's it's going to look pretty good. Uh, oh, yeah. I'm so excited about that. Thanks so much for coming on the show. You have me so stoked for the August long weekend, and awesome. I can't wait to meet you in person. Likewise. Thank you very much, Tanya. I hope to uh, meet you in person, too. hope you have a blast. Thank you. Dang, I wish I could be there. That sounds like a great time. I think the barbecue sounds like the best part. Every week, we get a great coaching tip from an Art of War coach, and this week, Alex McDougall talk, talks to us all about mission play in 9th edition. Alex McDougall, welcome back to the show. We're so excited to have you. As an Art of War coach, you're, you're used to helping people out with uh, getting adjusted to 9th edition, and we thought today we'd have a coaching tip and just like a quick tip for somebody who wants to get a little better at the game. What would you, what would you give them as their tip this week? My biggest tip would be to learn to build your armies to win on the primaries. I think the secondaries are important, but most games will be won and lost on the primaries. Um, I think really focusing on mobile objective secured troops are a great way to take points away from your opponent. Interesting. 
So, so you think that like, because I've heard a lot of a lot of players sort of um, offhand say, well, now tanks shoot into combat, and with the new attachments, uh, you know, you don't need to take as many troops because you get your CPs without having, you know, before you'd have to be like double battalion to get your CPs or or more triple battalion, right? And now you start with your CPs, so um, I don't need as much objective security. And, and you're saying people should start thinking about like how important it is to win on those objectives? Yeah, I don't think we need to quite have the troop presence that we used to. Like, you know, a lot of armies were running 180 boys and grots and uh, massive 120 uh, man units or uh, groupings of termagants and stuff. And maybe that's not the way forward, but we can't just ignore the fact that you can put a tank on an objective, but unless it fills the entire space of the objective, you don't have to get into combat with it. If you can just run a single trooper onto that, that objective is yours now. Yeah. I mean, and even if you do get into combat with it, like that's not the end of the world. Sure, on the following turn, your opponent is going to shoot whatever it is off the board. But at that point, you don't care because you've already denied them. Because the way scoring works, right? Scoring works at the beginning of your turn on the primaries. So um, let's say your opponent, you know, they just finished their turn. It's now your turn and they're standing on four objectives. If you just run one objective secured model on all four of the objectives that he's on and he doesn't have any objective secured, you just made him score zero on primary without firing a shot or swinging an axe. Like, it also controls where they shoot next turn. Right. They may want to put firepower into specific things, but they now have to shoot at the, let's hope, like the trash that you've thrown onto the objectives. Yeah, so cheap objective secured bodies that move or get there, I think is is certainly something worth considering. Um, other things that I've thought about, and I don't know if this is good or not, but there are certain things that sort of increase your objective secured account or count. Like for example, um, I think a prime a, a primaris ancient or maybe any ancient can get. I don't remember if it's a warlord trait, but you can basically all of your objective secured models count as two instead of one. Yeah, and that's huge for marines that are usually looking at a lower model count. Yeah, absolutely. Turning turning five intercessors into ten means you've probably got that objective for sure. Right. Because, you know, you don't really you don't really outpunch intercessors in the troop v troop battle, right? <laughs> like, no, I think they are the benchmark of good troops. Yeah, they are and they're durable, um, but they're not numerous. So that's uh that can be a problem. Okay, so if we're thinking about playing on primary, so we talked about having some objective secured models. What other things would you consider to be important in list design? Uh, since if we're playing objective secured and we are looking to deny points, uh, what else can we do to increase our mobility? If you are playing guardsmen, you have uh, orders like move, 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 and you have chimera to get you there. Uh, GSC has certain cult traits that can increase your advance rolls, which can actually make you quite quick. And of course, you can always deep strike to objectives or lying in wait and deep strike directly onto objectives three inches away from your opponent. Uh, anything can, can get you can get your troops to objectives uh, in ways that your opponent might not have seen coming is going to be huge. Uh, Tyranids do that very well as well with uh, Swarmlord and with Metabolic Overdrive, both of which can double your movement. So what do you think about um, transports then in the new edition? Do you think people should be looking at those as a possible way to, number one, shield your troops for a turn, but also, you know, move them forward on the board, shield them for a turn, then they can pop out and get to any objective they want? Yeah, I think transports are fantastic. Uh, 
in a lot of situations, I think the cheaper the better, unless you have a, you know, uh, historically very good transport like a Wave Serpent or uh, more recently an Impulsor. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, Chimera and Torox and even the the humble Rhino, I think, are an excellent way to get your troops there, keep them safe for a turn, or even make it so that it's actually a negative to kill the Rhino. If the Rhino dies and suddenly 10 objective secure troops get out on it, you've actually made it harder for you to hold that objective. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, that's another reason for you to play objective secured, right? If your opponent puts a Rhino with some objective secured models in it, you can just surround the Rhino with your objective secured models, and then suddenly they can't get out. <laughs> yeah. And then you don't have to kill that Rhino. You own that objective, and it's not going anywhere. So um, this is sort of the play and counterplay when you're thinking about playing the primaries. Interesting. Okay. Um, last question. Do you think that having good firepower to maybe shoot people off of objectives is also something worth considering? I think what you want to, how you value your horde killing and your tank killing is very important. Uh, some people will go, hordes are dead, vehicles are the meta, and they'll go nothing but very strong, high efficient firepower. And that might make it so that, yeah, some 10-man little trash guardsman squads on objectives are actually suddenly very frustrating to remove as you fire, you know, las cannons and melt-a-guns into them to try and get rid of them. Uh, so balancing, you know, the balance between the assault cannon and the las cannon is very important. Absolutely. Yeah, you can't have just all eradicators. Like, as sexy as those things are and as cool as they are, like, you know, they are not really good in the guardsmen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it'll make you feel really bad shooting that six melt of guns into 50 points. All right, folks, you heard it here first. You should be thinking about mission, especially primaries, first and foremost when you're thinking about trying to win in ninth edition. Ah, sounds like maybe we shouldn't be discarding our troopers just yet, eh? Okay, here it comes. Model of the day. It's the, the model of the day, the, the model of the day, the. Model of the day. Every day during our regular weekday show, we feature a model of the day, and we've been able to show up some amazing work this week. This week's model of the week is one you might have already seen. We chose the Townar by Stickneck Studios. I was very fortunate enough to have them commission a beautiful Eldar army for me, and it it is it's just great. And you guys should see pictures of it sometime. And they really outdid themselves with this Townar. It towers over the battlefield, and the scheme is a beautiful sky blue with amazing green glow effects. I love the overheated barrels, uh, complete with a stunning chart effect. Stop by our Facebook to see for yourself, um, or you can see it on Instagram, which will be linked in the show notes. Now, if you have a model that you think we should feature in the show, or you've seen a model that should be featured, let us know with our hashtag on Instagram, hashtag 40K Today, or just toss us a message on Facebook. And that's it for this week. Thanks so much for joining us. I hope you enjoyed getting a peek at the fun stuff we did this week. A big thanks to our content producer, Alex Boehner, our social media superstar, Tanya Gates, and our technical producer, Seamus Ronan, for all their hard work once again in putting this program together. If you liked what you heard on the show today, make sure you come check us out at 40ktoday.com or on your favorite podcast platform. We do a 15-minute show every day with just the kinds of things that was found in today's show. We'll see you next week, but until then... For Paul Murphy and Steve Joel and the rest of the 40K Today team, I'm John Damaris, and that's what's happening in 40K Today.